0: This evening, we thank you for a time that we can gather to worship you and just to exalt the name of Christ. Father, one day we know that trump will sound and we will be before you. And Lord, we don't need to fear whether or not we will be cleansed and washed of our sin. Because your word guarantees that all who have trusted in Christ, all who have placed their faith in you, will, when they stand before you, be spotless, be blameless, as you tell us in Ephesians chapter. We'll see you and we will be like you. And so, Father, we thank you for the hope that we have in Christ, the anticipation of that day, whether we uh, leave this world and see you or whether you take us to be home with you. And Father, again, we thank you for this evening. We pray that as we walk through this topic tonight of the idea of how you work through and in times of difficulty and suffering, Lord, that you again would be glorified exalted in all these things, Lord. May we take what we learned tonight, Lord, and apply it to our own lives, but also, Lord, take it to others, have conversations with others that we maybe have interaction with during the week that we can be an encouragement to them and share with them the truth of your word. And so, Father, again, we thank you for today. Thank you for this morning, a time that we can just uh, have some fun, Lord, but also to just, again, get into your word and, and realize that you've given all of us the gifts and talents and the things that we need. You've equipped us with those things that we might serve you and serve your church. And so, Father, again, we thank you for all of this. Give us a, a time tonight we can just hear from you and respond faithfully, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So, we are excited to gather tonight. And so, as these guys are grabbing a seat, we're going to share just a few announcements. And... Uh, It was a lot of fun this morning. Uh, Football Sunday, and so we were able to uh, prayerfully be an encouragement to all those that were here. Uh, Have some fun, and uh, it was great to see uh, just everyone getting involved with the trivia stuff, and then obviously hearing the testimonies of uh, some players that will actually be in the game tonight. And uh, so I pray that was an encouragement to you. Uh, tonight, before we get into our devotion as we continue continuing kind of through our study, uh, I want to share just a couple announcements. One big one I want to make sure everybody knows about is our uh, family skating event. And so this is coming up March 2nd. And so you do not want to miss out on this. Uh, this is for the whole family to come and be a part of. And so if any of you are kind of scared to go skating, uh, they do have at the skate rink those little... PVC pipe helpers, I don't know, skating buddies, I kind of call 30s or 40s or... 60s and whatever. It's fine. It's all good. Don't let anyone shame you. You use what you need to use to have a good time. So uh, so that's going on March 2nd. Again, 1130 to 130. Uh, all the kids in our Word of Life ministry got cards this last Wednesday to be able to have reminders or invites for friends and family to come. Uh, the cost is $10 per skater. If you are not skating, you can just come to hang out. But we obviously need, I think it's 50 skaters that we need. Um, to be able to do the event for the cost that we're doing. So we want as much involvement as possible of those that are going to skate and get involved. Uh, last year, we did this for the first time, and it was a great turnout. We had a lot of fun, and so pray that you guys can be a part of that. Uh, rentals are included in that. Sandra was sharing that uh, Wednesday night, the Gopher Buddies, which is the preschool ministry, um, about every three seconds, another child would ask, but I don't have skates. I don't, I don't have rollerblades. Well, no, that's included. Oh, okay. And then a few seconds later, another preschooler would say, well, I don't have roller skates. I don't have rollerblades. Apparently, that's a normal preschool thing. Sandra was letting me know. But um, so... Yeah, every individual preschooler needs to be told exactly what's happening. So so that's going to be going on. Lunch is included as well, pizza and pop. And again, if you have any questions, you can let us know. Uh, if you are interested or planning on going, please let Sandra know as soon as possible. Our student ministry is also doing their teen game day. Uh, that's going to be on March 9th, which is just a free thing for them to be a part of. There's inflatables that'll be here, uh, video game stuff. They'll have lunch included in that. So it's just going to be kind of a fun day. So again, Saturday, March 9th, 10 to four for 7th through 12th graders, and so any students are welcome to come to that. It's going to be a lot of fun. And then also want to let you know about our uh, food drive that's going on this whole month. It's great to see some food out there already. Uh, but I would love to see that table filled by the end of the month. And so if you have not brought anything out, please bring out some non-perishable food items, drop them off on the table there. And again, you can do that at any service or even during the week if the church is open for some reason. If you see cars out here, uh, there are people here you can drop off anytime. So all of this food is going to a local food bank right here in Emily City. So everything you're bringing is staying right here in Emily City. So we're excited to be a part of that. Also want to let you know, Something uh, that is a little bit different than what we had said originally was the prayer adoption ministry that's kind of been going on for now. I think this is our second time doing this or second year doing this. Um, The sign-up sheet was out last week. Uh, We were going to start that up, uh, So, but with some things that have happened, that sign-up sheet will be back out there. So you can actually go ahead and sign up, I believe, this Wednesday and next Sunday, I think. Then we'll go ahead and pull that and get everything divvied out. So if you did not sign up and would like to, um, and I did get a text... Thursday, I think someone's saying, hey, I forgot to sign up, can I do that? So if you have not done that, what it is really is you just sign up your name or your family name, and then somebody else will be signed up on there, and then you'll get a name to pray for off the list, and somebody on the list will get your name to pray for. So it's just basically praying for each other effectively. So if you'd like to be a part of that, definitely want to encourage you to sign up for that. All right? So other than that, lots of things going on. Uh, This next Sunday, we do have communion as well. Uh, We had had communion in January, and I mentioned because it was kind of a a bad weather day, bad roads. Um, And so we had already announced that we were going to be doing another communion uh, sooner than planned because people couldn't be there. And then we realized as the service was going on, we had about a normal service. And so um, we joke about this. I was I said it before, one of our deacons was counting to figure out how many communion things to make up, because usually we do it well in advance. And I said, well, don't do that, because I don't want to have a bunch left over, so just wait. And I went back and said, how are we doing after like the first song? And he said, well, I stopped counting after 100, so I think we're just going to do normal. And I was like, that's probably a good idea. Um, so we ended up having a normal communion, but I love getting to celebrate the Lord's Supper. So we're going to do that again in uh, next Sunday, and then also in March, uh, we're going to do communion for Good Friday service. We'll have communion then as well. Um, and I believe another time as well in March, I think. So, so lots of times are on the Lord's Supper, but we're so thankful to do that. All right. Uh, any questions about any upcoming events, activities, anything at all? All right. So you guys can open up to Job. So Job, and we're going to be in chapter 30. So Job or Job, depending on your pronunciation. Which would then be right before the book of Psalms. What's yes, and right before, or a little bit before, a little bit before Habakkuk. Okay, so, uh, so we've been doing a study now for a couple of weeks. um, This idea of being confident in the face of hard questions. And so last week we talked about the importance and the purpose of miracles during the life of Christ. We talked about all of that and how in today's culture a lot of people want to dismiss. The miraculous works of Christ, and we talked about how vital those things are to understanding the divinity of Christ the purpose of Christ, the power of him uh, that he had rather over creation and uh, that exhibited that he is God and that he was also sent from God because he was doing works that only God could do. And so we cannot dismiss the miracles of Christ. We also talked about the fact that just because Christ performed certain miracles and the early church performed certain miracles does not necessitate the need for those some of those miracles to continue, right? Uh, For example, Jesus walked on water, Peter walked on water. I don't need to walk on water to know that it happened, Make sense? I I don't need to do that to believe it happened. Uh, It's recorded in Scripture for me, so therefore I can believe it and trust in it. It fulfilled the purpose that it needed to fulfill at the time that it was given. So tonight what we're going to be talking about in this idea of kind of hard questions is the idea of suffering. So the, the kind of the basic idea in the study tonight is why do we suffer? Now the main point, and again, I don't have a handout for you, but if you're taking notes, you can jot this down. We may not know why we suffer, but God meets us in our suffering. So so one of the questions a lot of people ask, especially ask of Christians, is if your God is so loving and so good and so gracious, then why is there suffering? Why am I going through this? Or why does so-and-so go through that? And I understand that question. Um, and I don't know about you, but I I can admit, I guess I will admit, that one of the things that has been a struggle for me in my Christian life um, is knowing the answer and not liking the answer. Does that make sense? People say, well, why, why is this happening if God is so gracious? I know the biblical response. I know the theological response. Not because I know everything, but because I've studied it or I've heard others that are much wiser than me teach on these things. But knowing that does not always comfort me in the sense of I like what I know. There's a lot of times I'll know of the answer, but I'll see the situation and I go, man, but God, I don't like that. And I'll be honest with you guys. There's commercials on TV that deal with childhood cancer and some of the fundraising that goes on for childhood cancer. Breaks my heart to see that stuff. And I know... I know the biblical answer is, okay, this is a result of sin, and this is what sin does to the human body, right? This is what we're seeing here, and we, I know that God can be glorified in this and through this, and we're going to talk about all that. But I just want to start off by saying, it's okay to be real enough to say, I still don't like seeing that. And by the way, I don't believe Jesus was was okay with seeing that in his creation. That's one of the things we talked about last week. That's why he was moved with compassion to bring healing to people, Because again, Jesus knows what we or who we should have really been apart from sin. And now the sin that is entered into humanity has caused what it's caused. And I believe that broke God's heart. I think that's why Jesus was moved with compassion because this is not what was intended. And now I understand God knows all things and God was not surprised by any of it. But I think that's why God was moved that way. So just to be upfront with it, when someone's going through a difficult season, you may know the biblical response. But be careful in how we communicate that. Be careful when we communicate that. And be empathetic to someone going through something. Because it's okay to say, yeah, you know what? That's a tough one. And I shared before that here recently, really within the last couple of months, a sudden sickness that sent her home. They thought it was pneumonia. They thought some other things were going on. Sent her home. Sent her back sent her home. She had a hard time breathing, couldn't catch her breath. They sent her back to the hospital and she passed away. And just a tragedy of tragedies. To, to do the funeral, I stood in front of this packed funeral home and I looked around the room and obviously there's tears and emotions and, and I, we got to pray with, with Sandra's cousin and his wife and the, the parents and there was just this glazed over look in their eyes. They just were kind of like in just awe, shock and awe, like, what, what is going on right now? And to stand and, and preach a sermon to these people, like, I have no words. Like, there's, there is nothing I'm going to say that's going to lift the grief to the point where they go, oh, okay, everything's fine. But it doesn't mean we don't give them biblical truth. It means we admit, which I tried to do up front to say, these aren't my words. My heart is broken for you. I have no words. I'm just going to give you the comfort from the word of God that I would take in this moment. I pray it would be a comfort for you and begin to share those things. And so we could admit all of that up front is the idea. All right? So we may not know why we suffer. Right? There may be things we go through. We don't know the specific reason why this is happening to us. But we always know as followers of Christ, being in Christ, that God meets us in our suffering. Right? So... Kind of connect this to the whole purpose of the study. Skeptics, those that question Christianity or question the Bible, have dismissed the biblical view of God with these statements. If God loves us, he must not be all-powerful, or he would stop all-suffering. That's one of the things we hear from atheists or those that want to dismiss Christianity. Or if God is all-powerful and could stop suffering but doesn't, he must not be loving. So he's either not all-powerful or not all loving, because if he was one of those, he would stop the suffering. A philosophical discussion moves to a real issue when we're the ones suffering. The Bible is honest about suffering and ensures us of God's sovereignty and presence in whatever we're facing. No matter which direction you turn, it won't take long to discover somebody who is suffering. A common question asked in the midst of suffering is, why me? I think we've all asked that question to some degree. Now, you ask that question, then you hear about somebody else's situation, and you go, oh, Lord, I I don't get what they're going through. Man, it puts it in perspective what I'm going through. But we've all said that. Unfortunately, so many individuals never move past those words. While the Bible doesn't tell us specifically why there is suffering and why we'll all experience that at some point in our lives, we do know that God has promised to meet us in our suffering, and we can trust and lean on him as he walks with us through it. So this week... The idea is that we're going to consider our response to suffering as an example, and as we examine, rather, the example, the life of Job. So some background on Job. So someone tell me, what do you know about the book of Job, the story of Job? Give me some basic things you know about Job. Okay, yep. The oldest book, as far as one of the earliest written books in the Bible, yep. Okay? Yeah? (laughs) Okay? So it starts off with what? The conversation between Satan and God. So we get chapter 1, right? Does Job get chapter 1? Job has no idea of what's going on in those heavenly realms. By the way, it is an encouragement that there are things going on in the heavenly realms, and the spiritual realms, that we aren't made aware of. We just don't know. Now, we get little and pieces in scripture, right? That these things are happening. Uh, Paul talks about why do we need to wear the armor of God because we have a spiritual enemy, right, who's warring against us. We don't battle against flesh and blood, right? But against these principalities and these powers and and so on and so forth. But we see this dynamic. Satan walks into the throne room of God and makes a challenge before God. What's the basic challenge? Abby alluded to it, humanity. Well, go ahead, Julie, you might be a... Yeah, yep. Right. Okay. Yep. And that started because what was Satan's original challenge? Nobody really follows you. Nobody loves you. Nobody really wants to follow you. Like, why would Satan start there? Why, why is he even starting at that point with God? Like, what do you think or what comes to your mind when you hear that kind of comment from somebody? Okay, because Satan's arrogant. Okay. The challenge to God, yeah. What is Satan's ultimate desire? To be worshipped. What was somebody I say? To sit on the throne. I'm going to sit on that throne one day. So what is he trying to do? Well, God, no one really loves you. What's the alternative? They would really love me. Nobody wants to follow you, but they would follow me. I, I would be a better God than you would be. So then, that's when God brings up Job, right? And so when that happens, what does Satan then say, as Avi alluded to? Okay, but you've blessed him. You've favored him. Like, if you took all that away, he'd curse you. So what does God respond with? Okay, go ahead. You can do that. You just don't touch him physically. And then what does he do even after that? Okay, you can can affect him physically, but don't take his life. And so now this entire story is now unfolding that dynamic of that conversation. And we must remember, God is not the author of sin. And by the way, God, James 1, God does not tempt mankind to sin, right? So God is not doing this to tempt Job to sin. Merely what I believe God is doing here is he is allowing, by the way, let it sink in for a moment that Satan had to ask for permission because they're not equal, right? Satan is a created being under Job. God granted permission to Satan to come against Job so that God's glory would be displayed and magnified. And I believe Job would be blessed in the long run. But now you're Job. You don't know any of this. And by the way, the whole book of Job, what's the, what's the biggest part of the book of Job really dealing with? Multiple chapters are dealing with this. It Deals with Job and some other individuals. Okay, it's friends. Yeah. So it's three friends. Okay. And what are, what's the kind of the back and forth here for multiple chapters? Have you ever read the book of Job and studied it out? What's kind of going on in the, the middle of the book, the meat of the book? Okay. Okay. So all the friends take turns defending that Job's basically a sinner needing to repent. Okay. That's multiple chapters. And when one stops and Job responds to one, the other one kind of steps in. Okay, I'll take over. Tag team, I'm on. Now I'll, I'll get into him for a little bit. Okay? So Job then, what's his response? How does Job respond to his friends? Now it is a poetic book. Okay? This is not a prophetic book. This is a poetic book because it's in the books of poetry. That's why most you'll see it grouped with, it's Job, Psalm, Proverbs. Ecclesiastes, Song of Songs. These are poetic books, right? Those five poetic books in the Old Testament. So it's a lot of very figurative language, right? Kind of interesting reads. You kind of read it and you go, man, what what does that even mean? Right? You go back and read it again and read it again. Because of the style of the way it's written. But what is Job's basic response to his friends? Okay. Okay. That's a great point. Yep. So he spends a lot of time talking about the character of God, right? This is who I know God is, so therefore what you're saying can't be, okay? That's not how God would handle this. That's not what God would do. Now, some of it is Job's own opinion of God, and some of it truly is who God is, right? We see some of that mixed in there. Because we're going to find out here a little bit that Job and God have a conversation. It ends up being probably more one-sided than Job thought. And by the way, how many times in the book of Job does, does Job say to God, why don't you let me plead my case? I want to plead my cause. Would you just give me a forum to plead my case? And he's almost kind of saying, God, if you give me a chance, I can show you and convince you why this is unjust, why this is unfair. Okay? But I don't believe he ever really, and it says he never sins against God, but he never really accuses God per se. Now, there are some times where he makes it sound kind of like God maybe is being negligent, maybe not doing what he could be doing, but it's never really an accusation against God, right? Right, right. So, so apparently he's saying, I, I'm pretty good, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm okay on this, right? Now, Job's not claiming sinlessness, he's not claiming perfection, he's just saying, I'm not in un, what we would call unrepentant sin. I know I've given everything before the Lord, okay? It is interesting, a side note here, why is Job offering Offerings and, and sacrifices for his children and his family, and praying for them. What is he doing in that? What role is he fulfilling for them? A priestly role, right? So, this is kind of that patriarchal period. There isn't a priest, right, that's going to do that for them. So, he, as the father, is fulfilling that patriarchal role. Because remember, this is again, this is way back in the Old Testament before some of these things are established, right, on a, on a national scale. So he's doing this role as a father. That's an amazing example for dads. Now, I'm not saying I'm going to, you know, sacrifice a, a goat or something or a sheep for my boys. That's, I'm going to go out to the backyard and, you know, sacrifice an animal literally. But what's the principle here? Man, praying over our children, praying over our family, thinking of them spiritually before anything else. And I really think as as, as fathers or even as grandfathers as we think of our families on a spiritual level first before we think of anything else i believe we're going to see them succeed spiritually but so many parents where do we go usually first not to the spiritual but to the secular get a good job how are you doing in school how are you doing on this activity some parents, it's, I'll work with you on your swing. I'll work with you on your drills. I'll work with you on this. I'll do everything I can to make sure that you get to a good college, to get a good job, to get a good education, to get good career ahead. So you have lots of money and success and security. And, and we think about all that. And those things aren't bad. But what is Job's biggest concern for his family spiritually? I want to make sure that they're right before God. Can he make them right before God? No, but he's doing all he can to make sure that they're prepared in their walk with him, Any other thoughts, quickly, from the book of Job? Because I'm going to give you a little more background, because you guys have pretty much covered the majority of what I was going to share. Any other thoughts from the book of Job as a whole? All right. So we covered the idea that, that God and Satan had this encounter, that Satan, uh, or that God allowed Satan to make Job suffer to test his integrity. Like many believers who suffer today, Job wondered why he was suffering. He often asked but why? Why is this happening to me? He would defend himself and then instantly go to, okay, but why? If it's not this, then why is that happening? In the book of Job, we clearly see that Job knew God was sovereign, powerful, able to do all these things. But as he suffered that God isn't good, he's not experiencing the goodness of God. So that's causing him to question these things. Job never claimed to be sinless, and he generally agreed with his friends about the link between sin and suffering. Job rejected his friend's strict application of a truth to his unusual, unusual situation. So he's not saying, I'm perfect. He's just saying, you guys are saying it can only be this. And I don't think that's true. By the way, we don't only suffer because of sin. Now, sometimes we do suffer because of sinful choices of ourselves or others. But that is not the only reason we suffer. So we're in Job chapter 30. So Job chapter 30, and I want to look at verses 26 through 31. So as we work through the curriculum here, we're going to start there. So Job 30, verses 26 through 31. If I can get a volunteer that would like to read that for us. Who's got that? Emily? Awesome. Thank you. Okay, so you hear the poetic nature of this text, but instantly you can begin to feel Job's sorrow, right? So what are some phrases that jump out to you in that passage that express to you what Job's going through? Yeah. Um, and then uh, I waited for the, like, the darkness like, mm. you're just in this place where you don't even know which end is up. Okay. So, um, yeah, absolutely. I looked for good, but there was no good. I looked for the light, and it was just darkness. Absolutely. My 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 bones are okay. So, what, what comes to our mind when we read that part? My bones are burned with heat, my skin is black upon me. Now, we know we had physical ailments. What comes to mind when you think of that? Mm-hmm. Just pain, right? My skin is, every part of me is in pain, right? Anything else that jumps out to you, Renee? My the right? Yep. Yep. hmm Yeah, I, the King James says, well, my, my, boils, my bowels boiled, and so boils referring to that inner man, and boiled does that of just that bubbling, right? And so I, I like that. It was just this churning. It, it's just your gut is just tore up, like you can't rest. You want to lay down and rest, but you just can't, right? So he's being very real here. Anything else that expresses that, Avi? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you're 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 not uh, worthy of us spending time on you, right? So he's crying out for help and nobody's coming. What else? Yeah. Yeah, so I I want to be rejoicing in this time. I want to be singing songs of excitement and praise, but really it's only sorrow, right? When you read this, now, God, I, I want this, but this is what I'm experiencing. And I, I believe this, but this is what I'm, I'm feeling. And I think that's the majority of Job's experience is he knows that there can be joy. He knows there is light. He knows there is good, but he's feeling as though there's no way he's going to connect with that. He's been, that's been severed off from him. So the, the main point in this passage that the curriculum points out is we all experience suffering even those who seek after good, we all experience suffering. Even those who seek after good. Now, I love the way the uh, the curriculum kind of laid this out because when I first saw that, I, I think good like good things, good experiences, right? Job had lived an upright, righteous life, and he had looked for good. We see that in verse twenty six. But he experienced just the opposite. In these verses, we find Job elaborating on the emotional and physical pain he was going through. And these were just the tip of the iceberg of difficulties that came his way. The Old Testament concept of good is linked to the nature and activities of God. So from a a Hebrew understanding, good is automatically connected with God. The activities and nature of God. Of God. Job had been faithful to the Lord in how he lived his life, so he hoped for and expected God to bless him. Presumably, in part, because God had blessed him before. So you get what he's saying here. God, I'm doing my part. I'm living righteously. I'm doing what you asked me to do. So I'm expecting good from you. And this is Job's friends. Job's friends, this is their biggest wrestling. If you were doing what you should, only good would come. So do you see how God is kind of taking their theology and kind of expanding it beyond what they can understand? Because their mindset is, if I do good, God will do good to me. And that's, that's us today, right? I, I, God, I went to church, so you should bless me with a good parking spot tomorrow, right? Like that's, we, we make it, I mean, it's a silly example, but we do things like that. Job had been faithful to the Lord in how he lived his life, so he hoped for it now, because I'm still... God, you should bless me because you did it before. So why are you not doing it now? Because I'm still living for you. Things that once brought Job joy now lead to mourning and weeping. We all have times when in life it seems overwhelming. We can feel paralyzed by everyday tasks. We look for others or look to others for help, but don't receive the support we hope for. But we have a God who is with us no matter what's happening around us or to us. And so the first couple discussion questions we get to here, and we'll kind of ask both of these, and we'll see where we're at for time. We may just pause there before we dive into the next uh, portion in Job 42. But a couple questions to think about. What are some ways people try to cope with suffering? What are some ways that people try to cope with suffering? Now, there's, there's obviously those that don't know Christ and those that do know Christ, right? So how is it that people who don't know Christ or don't have a connection with the Lord, how do they usually in our world deal with Suffering or times of suffering, Avi. I, mean, I think there's like so many different people obviously deal with it. I mean, just is the point is to escape. It. Okay. So, whether you're going to escape it in drinking or going out or sex or, you know, uh um, if
1: you're going to escape it by escaping the situation or. But the point is is that, like, whether you're a Christian or not, like, so many people, like it's just human nature not to want to suffer and not to want to. Okay.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and I, I think what you said is true. Both Christians and non-Christians, right? Escape the suffering. So whatever it is, I think uh, Jeff mentioned addictions, right? And that can take many forms, right? Whatever it might be, everything from a, a substance, um, something to escape the moment, get out of reality, and just breathe, uh, and just get out of the situation. Okay? So escaping it. How else might non-believers, non-Christians cope with suffering? Sandra? Okay. 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 Yeah, just avoiding anything that's going to bring that back around, whether it's, I lost a loved one, so I can't go to this restaurant because we always ate at that restaurant, so I'm going to avoid that so I don't have to deal with that that hurt, okay? How about Christians? How how should, how can, or how do, rather, uh, how do Christians cope with suffering? Renee. Okay. Yeah. Just isolate away. Yep. Julie. Yep. 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 Even though they might be believers, they try to avoid it. You know, we've seen and talked about that in briefs. Yep. You, um, what people have done that are believers. Okay. That um, things that they have turned to. Yep. Just because we are believers, even though we truly are, mm-hmm. our human nature takes over in that time. Mm-hmm. As they're going through that. As they're going yep. through that. Because it's, you don't want to avoid that. You not want mm-hmm. to get away from that thing. Mm-hmm.
1: But hopefully, and in time, and it hopefully it's not a long time, the believer will realize and turn
0: away from whatever is drawing them and turn to Christ. To, to deal with that to deal, to suffering. His yep.
1: of, like, Job's friends, it's difficult Mm -hmm. to come alongside someone who's grieving, because it's uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. and it makes us look at our lives, and that could be happening to me. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. the realization that we're all weak, and we all are going to suffer. But that's where we as
0: fellow believers and brothers and sisters can have the opportunity to come alongside and just sit with them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. And we'll touch on that in just a second because the second question is how do we, how can we respond when someone else is suffering? So we'll dive into that in just a second because you're right. Why is it that I make a distinction between believers and non-believers when we suffer? Why is that distinction important to make? Jeff. Okay. Okay. Sandra? Um, a believer has. The Holy has we, we have God with us. So we know that, that we're not in it. Alone. Yes. That's why it's so important that we do make a distinction. Because, yes, believers can fall into all the same things, but a believer has the Holy Spirit within them. So an unbeliever does not. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit is in us, guiding us, teaching us, opening our minds to Scripture. So when I go through the same suffering an unbeliever is going through, whatever suffering you want to say, that's something I go through that another person goes through, the difference is that unbeliever does not have the Spirit of God working in them to draw them to that comfort, to that grace, to nudge them and pull them. They're not wrestling with that going, okay, I know I need to go this way into the Lord, but I'm going to choose to go this way. An unbeliever is just going to go into the flesh and where it leads. They don't have that gift of the spirit to say, oh, there's another option here. What's that? Yeah, it's hope. And what does Peter say? Do believers grieve? Yes, but not as those with no hope. And so again, we, we want to say, well, yeah, but believers go through it and unbelievers go through it. And, and it's true. We can all fall into it. But we can't just assume that it's the exact same, because it's not. A believer has the ability, by God's grace, to rise above the suffering like an unbeliever cannot because they don't have the Spirit of God, which goes to that second point. How can we respond when someone is suffering? What's the first thing we should do when an unbeliever in our life is suffering? What's one of the first conversations we can have with them? Abi? Yes, because you don't know all the people that could or could be, I mean, there's so many hypotheticals. Yep, that could be chasing, that could be, you know, it could be whatever that's saying something like, who knows what, right? And there's so many reasons why, and so many different forms of suffering. Yep, some is some reason against us, some is just the tragedy of living in a fallen world. Yep, so there's all these hypotheticals, and only God knows how he's using it in our lives for a yep. reason. So to pray for that, but also, do I need to read second Corinthians? Go ahead, yeah. Mm-hmm. Comfort. He mm-hmm. comforts us in all our troubles so
1: that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with comfort through Christ. Yes. So that is like, obviously, the second thing we can do besides praying is to, um well, what um
0: Lynn and Julie are doing. Yeah. Share. Yeah. Right, right. All of us are going to experience the death of the loved All of us are going to experience illness. It's the, like, that is just what it is like living in a fallen world. Mm-hmm. And that's why another reason to be in church is so to mm. be the body. Yep. And do those yeah. And I, I love that passage in Corinthians there. Absolutely. So, yeah, we need to pray for them, pray with them, uh, share the comfort God has given us with them, right? What else is the conversation we have with? Let's specifically on believers, because you mentioned like the reason they might be suffering, we don't know. Um, we do know that God chastens his sons and daughters. So if somebody's not a believer, it's not a chasing of God. It's an outpouring of just the sinfulness around them or their own sin or, or just living in a fallen world. So what's one of the first things we can share with somebody who's a not a believer to help them in their suffering? Okay. We can share our presence. Yes. Yes. We need to be present. The gospel. Thank you. Yes. Yes. If somebody is going through a difficult situation and they don't know Christ, the best thing you can share with them is Christ. Right? Because when I know that Christ suffered for me the way he suffered for me and did it because he loves me, and now I can receive that into myself, now my suffering will, as Corinthians says, now my suffering will be put into a lens of, okay, but I'm going through this for Christ. It doesn't make it easier, but it will lift that burden to some degree. So, yes, we need to sit with them. We need to cry with them. We need to do all those things. But if you know someone that doesn't know Christ and is going through a difficult situation, the best conversation to have with them is sharing the gospel. This is why every funeral I speak at, It doesn't matter what the situation was. I've done funerals, again, for a child that's passed. I've done suicides. I've done people that were 90, 95 years old and just passed from natural causes. One of the first things I will make sure that family knows is, at some point during this message, I'm going to share the gospel. Why? Because it is the only hope we have for eternal life. If you sit with your unsaved friend and cry with them, that's going to help them. If you share Christ with them, that will lead them to salvation and eternal life. And I'm not saying it's one or the other. I just meet so many Christians that are like, well, I didn't want to step on their toes. And I didn't want to do this. And I didn't want to do that. It's the gospel. It's going to lead them to eternal life or they will reject it. And at that point, their current suffering is the least of their concerns. If they choose to reject Christ and spend an eternity in hell, then their momentary suffering is going to pale in comparison to what they're going to suffer for eternity. And I meet Christians say that, well, I love them. I don't want to hurt their feelings. No, you need to say what needs to be said so they will be spared eternal suffering in the midst of their momentary suffering, which will then lead to eternal life in Christ. And so again, just an encouragement. Yes, we need to do all those things. And I love what you guys are saying. And for the believer, that, to me, that's Corinthians, right? Like, hey, I don't know why you're going through this, but... God is using this. Now again, timing is everything and how we communicate that is everything. Um, Romans 8.28 is true, but we need to say it in the right time, in the right way, right? Yes, all things work together for good, but pray for wisdom on when to communicate that truth, right? But if it's an unbeliever, it's the same conversation we have, whether they're going through a great thing or a bad thing. When an unbelieving friend is sharing with you that they got married and they're so excited for the future of their marriage, and they ask you, what's the best marriage advice you can give me? Don't tell them communication. Don't tell them, here's how to balance your budget. If an unbeliever says to you, an unbelieving friend says, What's the greatest marriage advice you can give me as I've been married now, or I'm going through my marriage, or I'm going through a difficult season of marriage? It's Ephesians 5. That's the greatest illustration of Christ's love for his church. If someone comes to you and says, I want to be a better dad, what would you recommend? And they don't know Christ? The gospel. I want to be a better mom, what's a book that you'd recommend? the Bible, which will lead you to the gospel. Like, we do this all the time in the church and in Christianity. We take the topic and we go, I'm going to start at being a good dad and work to the gospel. And we're missing it. You will never be the mom, the dad, the grandma, the grandpa, the employee, the employer. You'll never be any of that that God has called you to be apart from the gospel. But in the gospel, now we can walk towards applying scripture as a dad, a mom, an employer, a husband, a wife, Whatever. But again, I feel like we live in a culture, and maybe it is the culture too, I don't know, but a church culture for sure, that if, if I said I was doing a series on this topic, if I said we're going to start a series next week on how to, how to balance your budget on Sunday nights, I'd have people that would come to Sunday nights that never come to Sunday nights because they go, I want to learn how to balance my budget. But if I said next Sunday night we're going to do a study on how to study and apply God's word to your life, that person wouldn't come because, well, that's not going to help me. But do you see how that's really where it all starts? And then we move to the topic. And I think when it comes to suffering, we try to look at ways of thinking, okay, how do I deal with this suffering, this specific thing? We need to deal with that. But it starts with the gospel. And now we see all these answers in the right light. So I know I went a little farther than I wanted to, but I think it's something that we really need to make sure we understand. Because I think that's for Christ. Well, what suffering is he referring to? The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So again, it's, it's, that's the foundation of what we're looking at. So when we talk about how can we respond well when someone is suffering, if they don't know Christ, we introduce them to Jesus Christ and we let God work in their hearts and lives. If they do know Christ, then we can pray with them. We can sit with them. We can hear them. We can direct them to Scripture, right? I know there's a lot of great resources out there on how to deal with these things. I believe that those resources are fine if they're based in Scripture— and seen through the lens of scripture. Like, I don't need Dr. Phil, right? Or Oprah to deal with my suffering. I have the Holy Spirit of God within me, the word of God before me, the church around me, and that alone will help me to understand, okay, I can start seeing this. Is it going to make it go away? No. No, because that's not how things work in our world. It's going to be a difficult season. It's going to be a time. It's going to be sitting with people that grief share or whatever it is, and just hearing stories and weeping with them and encouraging each other. But it's not done apart from Scripture. It's done with Scripture. Because again, God knows what you need when you need it. Hebrews chapter 4, 15 and 16. Come to the throne. Why? So you might receive grace and mercy at the proper time. Guess what the proper time is? Every single time you need grace and mercy. Well, I don't know. Let me tell you. Every day you need grace and mercy. So it's always the proper time. And so again, it's, it's, we respond well by just listening to people, empathizing with them, and understanding that God is working in that. And if they know Christ, as Sandra said it, that's the distinction between the believer and the unbeliever. They have Christ. They are not in the fire alone. There's a fourth one walking around in the fire who looks like the son of God. So he's with us in our suffering. And by the way, that's the amazing thing about Christianity and about Christ specifically He's, he's in it with us. When the disciples were being tossed on the sea and almost going to drown in the storm, where was Jesus? Walking to them, with them. When they were getting another situation, they're getting, the ship's getting beaten and torn up. Where was Jesus? In the boat with them. Now he was napping, which I still find is one of the most amazing things about the life of Christ, that he took naps. I love that. I took one today. It was great. It was very refreshing. But, but we see that. Why? Because that's our Savior, God is not in an ivory tower going, okay, you guys figure it out down there. No, he's down with us in the muck and the mire, and he's walking with us. But again, the world around us should look at the believer when we go through suffering. When we go through difficult seasons, the world around should go, man, what's different? Because they're going through the same stuff I'm going through, but, but they're walking through it with joy. They're walking through it with peace. And people tell you, well, yeah, but one day I'll get there. The timeline we put on that is up to us. If we want to wallow in our grief, and, and get me when I say this, I'm not saying this mean-spirited. I'm just saying this is what we do. If we can be real tonight, this is what I've done. I want to wallow in it. I want everyone to feel really bad for me because I'm going through it. and I'm a victim. But the Spirit of God is calling me to something more than that. We don't have to sit down in the muck and the mire. He comes alongside and says, Hey, I can lift you up. Sometimes, you know what he does? He sits down next to us. I love the story of Elijah, right? He flees from Jezebel. He just destroyed over 800 prophets. Well, God did, but used him to do it. One woman caused him to run into the middle of the wilderness and say, I wish I was just dead. It's amazing to me. What does God do? He shows up and he sits with him. In a sense, he takes care of him, right? Here, drink. Here, eat. But what does God do at a certain point? What does God tell Elijah? Hey, get up. I got, I got stuff for you to do. You can't sit here all day. And I think so many believers, they right, go to God. They rightfully sit before God. God ministers to them as only God can. And then God says, okay, let's go. We're moving on now. And we want to go, oh no, I'm not done wallowing. I need some more time to sit here. And here's the thing. God will let us do that. But it's not God that is making us sit there. We're choosing to do that. So sometimes it's some brothers and sisters that go through suffering. You know, one of the best things we can do for them at some point is to go, all right, why you st- like you said this morning, why are you still on the bench? There's stuff to do. Hey, by the way, we were given a mission. We were given a, a cause and a purpose. We need to fulfill this. And so again, it's, it's different in different situations. But overall, I, I think we can encourage people to move on. And that's a loving thing to do. Go ahead, Kelsey. What, what were you going to say? It's
1: mm-hmm. still sedentary. That that's also like block, like
0: we're blocking the we're blocking blessings. Or oh, yeah. sharing like sharing why or how God got us through it, we're actually like, No, no,
1: no, no, I don't I do you see what I'm saying? Yeah.
0: That's a great point. If we're having a hard time moving forward, we need to ask for prayers and let the people pray for us in a sense. And then also, I love that. We're blocking blessings. That's what Paul says in Corinthians. Right? I want you to know, I comforted you with the comfort I received. But to put that comfort out there, he had to move forward. Right? He had to get up and get active. And so it's a great point. We're blocking those blessings. It's a great point. Julie? And that scripture that Avi read, it is so, it's painful to go through grief. It's painful to go
1: Mm. it's not just to go through it Yeah. It's, it's for a purpose because God takes that and uses it if we're obedient and we do what we're supposed to be doing like Kelsey said we get up and get moving and, and we can take that horrible experience whatever that may
0: be the loss of a loved one an illness that you survived or maybe you're still battling it sure. you can take that and encourage and comfort others it's a purpose mm-hmm. it's not we're not suffering to suffer. For, yeah. Yeah, just for the case of suffering. It's, and it makes it so much easier. Mm-hmm. Because you realize this is for a purpose. There, mm-hmm. there is
1: a purpose to this. It's mm-hmm. not just because we're in a fallen world or we're it's just because we're human and we live in a sinful world. No, mm-hmm. it's for a purpose because God's going to take that yep. and use it if we are obedient. And we may not know whatever what it is. Right. When, when we can remember that scripture and we can re- and grab on
0: and realize that this is true, mm-hmm. there's a purpose to this, Yes, not just for God. Right. Uh, two passages come to my mind. Uh, James 1, yes. right? If you come into diverse trials and situations. Those are s- times of suffering and tragedy and things of that nature. Or Romans 5. Right, Paul says I, I, he takes joy in the tribulation and the hard times because of what it produces. James 1, it's producing something, right? So there's no such thing as a wasted time of suffering or wasted tragedy with God because it's doing something, either in this life or in the life to come, right? It's weighing for us a crown of glory, right? All right, we're over time. Uh, anyone else, real quick, before we pray? Any other comments? I thought I saw a hand. Avi, did you have something? I you know I just don't want to cut you off. If you have something wanna share, you're fine. Just the whole what Julie was saying, treasure of God's word, that you can know that He is sovereign, He is controlled, there's no maverick mm-hmm. molecule mm-hmm. out there randomly coming to you so that like if you in that trial and you can put your faith and hope and
1: trust in God and not understand but know his character and who he is.
0: Yep. Process, he's making me more like Christ for whatever it is that he's doing. There's a purpose for it. And we right. can trust that. Mm-hmm. And all those awesome Spurgeons,
1: Socrates, exhaustive. Like and the haven't exhausted his works, but um, keep that one point. I can put as much as i learned about all of my good times in a thimble. Mm-hmm. All the good times I've had in my life, all the things I've learned about God, I can put in that thimble. But all the things I've learned about God in my trials. hmm
0: Yeah, yeah. That's actually a great point that that trials test our faith in the sense of are we really in the faith or are we... And I think we're seeing that in our world today as, as it's becoming more and more difficult in our culture. It's been difficult in all of the world, but more in our culture to be a Christian outwardly. People are experiencing trials and suffering from just being a believer. And I think those that are saying that's okay because I still trust God and holding true, even in the midst of suffering and those that go, well, I'm just going to walk away from it because well, then were you ever really of the faith? And that, that's a great point. Absolutely. For sure. Well, we'll finish this up next week. So we'll dive back into Job next week. Um, chapter 42, we'll go through a couple more points and we'll wrap up with this part of this study next week. All right, well, let's pray and ask the Lord to be with the rest of our night tonight. And I pray that this has been an encouragement to you. Father, We thank you for your word. We thank you for what we shared tonight, Lord. And we we do. Right at the beginning, we acknowledged that there are difficulties in this life that are so hard to put into words. There are seasons we go through that are difficult. We have times of suffering. But, Lord, I'm so thankful that, that in Christ, we have maybe not an answer for why in every situation. But we do know that generally, there are things that you are doing and you've revealed to us. So first of all, Lord, thank you for being so gracious to tell us ahead of time that when we go through these things, these are some of the reasons why or some of the things you're doing from that. So I pray, first of all, we would be, uh, Lord, submitting to that, to, to humble ourselves under your mighty hand and to submit to your authority when we don't understand to know that you are working these things for your good or for your glory and our good. And, and, and there's purposes here that you're, you're creating things and producing things in us that could not be produced apart from them. And yet, Lord... We still struggle. We still have difficulties and we understand that and we can be empathetic of people that are going through things. But I pray that we would not let the cultural norm of when people go through suffering to try to come up with a quick answer or make excuses. Lord, or to look to other things in our world for answers. We have the word of God, which is sufficient. And so Lord, I pray right now for anyone in this room that's going through something. I pray that they would know that none of this tonight was to make it sound like they should just, quote, get over it. Lord, understand that these are difficult things we go through of various kinds. But, Lord, we can, in Christ, by the working of your Spirit and by the Word of God, rise above these things, process these things, and move forward in our Christian walk, not letting these things hold us victim and, and, and ensnare us to these things. But Lord, we can overcome because we've already overcome because you've overcome the world. And, and so, Father, I pray you'd help us in all these things that have wisdom and guidance and direction from you. But Lord, also I pray that for those in this room right now that have loved ones or friends or family members that are going through something, that when they have opportunity, that we would not just merely say only. We can say, I'm sorry you're going through that and, and I'm praying for you, but I pray we wouldn't stop there pray that we would take that next step of saying, can I share with you the hope that God gives us that in the midst of suffering, there is something greater that we can lean into and look to, and that's the person of Christ. That there is a hope that is greater than this life. That the troubles and struggles we go through in this life, I pray, Lord, that we would be bold. We wouldn't just look for the easy way out of the conversation, but we would take that next step of sharing the gospel because it literally is everything. And so, Lord, thank you for your sufficient word because I know, Lord, when we talk to people that are struggling with things or the loss of a loved one, the loss of a child, the loss of different things or sickness or illness, we may have not personally gone through those things. And we think because we haven't gone through those things specifically that we can be no help to them. But, Lord, again, we don't comfort others only with the things we've gone through. We can do that and we should do that, but Lord, you are so good to give us your sufficient and complete and inspired word. And so, Lord, I don't need to lose a child to know how to share comfort with somebody who has, because your word is what comforts us. And so, help us, Lord, to have wisdom in this, not to be fearful, but to be bold in sharing the word with those around us. It is inspired, it is sufficient, and it is all we need to guide people towards your character, your love, your grace, your mercy and how they can have a walk with you. Father, again, we thank you for all that you're doing. Holy Spirit, give us your wisdom in all this. Help us to know you more, to grow in you this week, and be prepared for whatever you have ahead for us. Lord, thank you for working in our hearts today for what's to come. And we thank you for all this in Jesus' name. Amen.